I want to have a little look at this passage together this morning. So if you've got a Bible, do open it up. Um, if um, you remember the last few weeks, we did a, um, a canter through 1 Peter together and we looked at some Christians who are, were being persecuted and what was important to them. And then last week, uh, because of the overarching theme of faith that was important, we took a week just to take a snapshot of faith and what uh, faith looked like in Scripture. And then what we're going to do now is we're going to do a, a little mini-series in Luke's Gospel, looking at the first uh, one this week, this uh, chapter of Luke's Gospel, verses 1 to 12. It's all about our lives in Christ, choosing to uh, live for Christ in all that we are and who that we are, uh, about our fear of God and understanding of who he is in our lives, um, who gives us our identity, what we live for, who we live for, how we find affirmation. Next week we're going to look at the second part of this passage, being careful with our resources, um, uh, looking at how we live our lives, what we put first and foremost in our lives, and then we'll look at uh, uh, the, verses 23 to 34 about trusting in God, and we'll finish by looking at uh, our faithful stewardship with what we have in life. So we're going to do a little mini-series in uh, this chapter of um, Luke, uh, which is, uh, really it's all about discipleship. It's how to live our lives in Christ. That's what this is about. So I hope that you'll enjoy uh, these few weeks as we look at this uh, together. What about this morning's uh, passage then? Uh, Meanwhile, it says, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and crushing each other. And Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them. And uh, uh, he speaks to his disciples at this point because he talks to them about uh, who their identity is, where they're finding affirmation, what life is about for them. This is a really important part of Luke's Gospel as Jesus teaches his followers, this is what it means to follow me. This is what it means to live life uh, for me. It says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, beware of their hypocrisy. This time is coming when everything will be revealed, all that is secret will be made public. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. I wonder, I wonder uh, who tells you who you are. That is true in life that lots of people tell us who we are. I'm, I'm Mark Mellowish. I'm married to Lindsay. Um, I've got five children, Jess, George, Callum, Beth, and Joss. I have to dot my fingers in case I miss one out. Uh, Jess, George, Callum, Beth, and Joss. I'm, I'm the son of Mary and Peter. I'm a brother to Fran, my big sis, and two little brothers, Stephen and Paul. How, how do I define myself? I probably define myself as a secondary school boy trying hard in life. That's probably how I define myself, as I think honestly about who I am. What, what do I do? I, you know, I've, I've worked hard from a play. They, they just, you know, they closed my school just after I left. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Not because I left, but I mean, you know, they just did. That was, that was the way we were. So I, I, I you know, it, it defines, it, you, you get defined by all sorts of things, don't you? You, you know, the, I had to go on and do, I went on to do um, uh, A-levels. They didn't offer A-levels at my school. So I did them in the evening classes while I worked and paid for them. 
to make my A-levels happen. So for me, my education, education of those around me and education is really important when one doesn't have that start in life, one wants to give everybody else that start in life. Um, uh, so, so who tells me who I am? I wonder who tells you who you are. I'm a church pastor also. I'm a uh, Jesus follower. Um, but I think probably I carry around that, um, uh, that little refrain, secondary school boy, just trying hard in life, just trying to make good in some way, trying to offer something to others, trying to make life better for others in some way. And Jesus, here in this passage, is saying to the disciples, who tells you who you are? Who, who tells you what you're about? Who defines you in life? Where do you find your affirmation? And, and as the crowds are gathering, this is when he speaks to them. He says, oh, beware of this. Beware of hypocrisy. Beware of being a crowd pleaser. Beware of looking just to gather the crowds. But you've got to, you've got to live life that's different. And it's not just about being popular. It's not just about living your life to please others, to please those who are here. It's about living your life to please the one and only. It's about living your life to please your Heavenly Father, the one we choose to put first and foremost in our lives. Actually, he's already said this back in chapter 9. Jesus has said to them, he says, how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose uh, or forfeit your own soul in the process? He says, it's not about what you gain or what you gather here on earth. This is short-lived, short-term goals that we have. But it's rather about living your life here to make a difference for eternity. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say that so many times. I think it's so important. We're here but a short time. And, uh, you know, in our, our time here, we want to leave this place a little bit better than we found it in some way to make a difference, in some way to make a contribution, in some way to add to somebody else's life, in some way to add to society. Um, uh, I, I, I actually think that, that we have a, a responsibility as, as people today to uh, shape and build society. I don't, does anybody else get really irritated? That's one of my little things. Anybody else get really irritated when they interview people on the news and they, you interview people and they, you hear them saying, well, unemployment, it's all, the, it's all the fault of the government. And I'm thinking it's not the fault of the government. It is not their fault, actually. You can use them as a scapegoat, but we're all to build society. We're all to make it work. We're all got something to do to contribute to this. And I think that's really important in life. I think that we all have something to give in to make this world a better place, actually. That's not a party political statement at all. I think that goes across the board, actually, that we build society and we leave it a little bit better uh, than we found it. But he's saying here, it's not about what you gain here on earth. And this passage today asks some fundamental questions about our identity. Will we fear God or will we follow the masses? Does our um, affirmation come from our Heavenly Father or does it come from our neighbours? Who tells you who you are in life? Uh, there are times in our lives, because we're Christian, that people will reject who we are, reject our ways, because we're different, because we choose to live a life that has certain values about it. Um, we stand for certain things, and they can cause a negative response from other people towards us. 
But that gives us a choice. We can choose to blend in and become part of the crowd, which is what Jesus is warning about here to the disciples. He's saying, don't just be a crowd pleaser. Don't just blend in with everybody else. We can blend in and become part of the crowd, or we can choose to stand out and be different and uh, live a different life. We can choose to stand up for God. Jesus asks, who is it you really fear? Because the person you fear is the person that you actually please in life. If we fear what people say about us, we will live lives to please other people. But if we fear who we are before our Heavenly Father, we will live life to please our Heavenly Father. We will look to him for our ultimate uh, affirmation. We then live in the light of the knowledge that God is intimately involved in everything that we do. It says here in this passage, the time is coming, it says, uh, when uh, everything will be revealed, all that is secret will be made public, whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light, whatever you've whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Uh, what's Jesus saying here? What can we learn from this passage this morning. I think he's saying two things in this passage. Number one, he says, don't worship what shouldn't be worshipped. He's saying that you're not to be afraid of people in life. Uh, he actually says, don't be afraid of those who can kill you, doesn't he? He says, don't be afraid of those who can take your, your life from you. He says, because actually that's all they can take. He says, but fear God who has eternity in his hands. Uh, God is God is far greater than that. Beware of who God is. Don't worship what shouldn't be worshipped. Don't look for affirmation and your reason for living from other people, but rather look to our Heavenly Father. You know, I think that we have two really basic needs in life. One uh, basic need that we have in life is a sense of control, that we have some boundaries in our lives, an understanding of who we are and that our life is not spiraling out of control. So someone, someone who's suffering from depression, life for them is spiraling downwards out of control and it seems as though they can't get hold of it and it feels as though you're going down and down and, and in some way there's got to be some sort of intervention to enable that to come up and sometimes for those who suffer from that, it's a really long, slow journey back up. When something's fallen a long way, it's a difficult job to raise it back up again. And there's a long, slow process of getting it back up. When someone's hyperactive, their life can spiral out of control the wrong way, upwards. So they become uh, overactive in all sorts of things. But some control actually means that we live life of a solid foundation. That we live life from a place of security, knowing that we have some sense of control over what we can do with our lives, how we can make our lives count, how we can affect other people with our lives. That we're able to put food on our table, we're able to control the finances coming in, we're able to control who dictates what we do with our lives. Control is a really basic need and we can use that control that we have in our lives over what we can do with our lives to bless other people in their lives. So, so we have some sort of sense of control and we go, well, I can take this and I can help that person over there. I can take this and I can help that person over there. Control is actually a really basic need in our lives. But the second basic need is that we're deeply driven by our sense of identity. 
who we are. Who are we? We're defined by the I statements in life. Um, by that, I mean uh, we define ourselves by I can, perhaps. So my identity is in some of the things that I can do, some of the talents that I have, some of the things that I'm able to do. So we're defined by the I can in life. So, so uh, we might be defined by I can fix a car or I can do accounts or I can, you know, we're defined by those things. Or, or, or I have is another one. We find a sense of identity from those things that are around us that we own. I have such and such. I like, I like my sense of identity that I have an MG car. I like that. It's one of my little passions in life. I like that. It's a complete and utter waste of money. I keep saying to Lynn, perhaps I should sell it. She says, no, 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 keep it. Uh, I'm very pleased she says that every time. I, I just ask, sell it, I say it every now and again just to be reassured that I should keep it. But, it, it, you know, I like it. I actually like it. I, li- I really, I really, really enjoy it. As stupid as that sounds, I was so proud of my first daughter, Jess, when she bought her first car, that she bought a classic 22-year-old Mini. I was so proud of her. And we went down to Cornwall this week. It, it rained in Cornwall every minute that we were there. It rained and it rained and it rained. Is anybody else there? Anybody else shrink? Yeah, dreadful. It just rained and rained and rained. And we, I went down with her. It's marvellous. We're driving down in her little car. We drove about, and I, I went from here last Sunday on train to Southampton to pick her up. And she picked me up, actually. She picked me up in a little mini. You squeeze into this little mini. And I was thinking, I had, I had three of these. They're such fun. And we were driving along. And then after a while, she said, do you want to drive? I was like, I was hoping you'd say that. So I got into the driving seat. We drove along. It started raining through the sunroof. Drip, drip, drip. I'm like, this is a real car. <laughs> now we're really driving. She says, that is a problem, is it? I said, have you got a screwdriver? No, she's a girl. She doesn't own such things. It's a nuisance, really. So anyway, so we, but she drives a, a good car. But I, I, I have a sense of identity. I actually like my cars. I, 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 I said to a guy, I said, I think I came out of the womb driving. I love it. I just love it. But there's a sense of identity in that, isn't there? I have. Another one is I like. We associate our identity with things and people we like. So we like a particular type of music. People dress in a certain way because they like a particular type of music. They associate themselves to a particular type of music or a film or whatever it is. I like helps to uh, define our identity. I am also defines our identity. I am a car mechanic or I am fit or I am unfit. Uh, or whatever it might be. I am defend, defines who we are. And I remember is another one that defines who we are. The past somehow shapes me for the future. Uh, I am shaped by the things in the past, so I remember this happening, therefore I am like this. This is what is projected into my life in some way. Identity is really important. But if we only find our identity in the I cans, or the I remembers, or the I haves, or the I'm ables to, or or, or whatever it might be, then our life can quickly fall from our fingertips. Because actually those things can be taken from us. We can all lose a job. 
we can all lose a job. And that can scar somebody deeper, actually, than those who haven't ever lost a job realise. Because what's gone isn't just your job, it's your sense of identity. I am an accountant, and then my accountant's job is taken from me, and I am what now? And there's a deep scar in somebody's life, and it can scar people for life. It reshapes us. I am a parent, and then we lose a child. Or I am a, a, a mechanic, and then we use the loose use of our hands, or whatever it might be, these things get taken from us in life. So if our whole identity is wrapped up in these things, and they get taken from us, actually we get mortally wounded uh, in life. And Jesus here, even our memories, our memories can be taken from us, can't they? Uh, in fact, that happens earlier in life, I think, than it should do. Uh, you start realising you don't remember things. And uh, you meet talking to somebody and you think, I can't for the life of me remember your name, but I know you very well and I've been married to you for 28 years. And it, that, you know, it goes really quickly. And sometimes you just lose it, don't you? And you think, it goes. And if I'm just defined by that. But Jesus is saying, look, Find your identity in something that is everlasting. Find your identity not in the things that go from this world, but find your identity in who I am. Find your identity in your Heavenly Father that loves you. And your Heavenly Father that not just loves you, but actually walks with you in the things that scar you in life. In the things that try to rob you of your identity. So he's saying to the uh, uh, disciples here, he's saying, look, don't just get your identity in those around you. Don't just get your identity in the things that you can do, but get your identity in um, uh, your heavenly Father. So if I asked you who you are, I wonder what you might say at this moment. Okay, this isn't prepared. But I wondered if somebody here would just give me a two-minute interview. Is anybody a willing participant to raise a hand and say, I'll be interviewed for two minutes by you, Mark, I trust you. There's no one in this church, trust me. <laughs> Come on then, Richard Sarson. Right, so Richard, tell me who you are. Um, I'm very tall. Um, I'm a family man, um, and I work hard, and I like thinking, and I you know, know what's going on in the world. Okay, that is a really fair answer, isn't it, to that question. But you see, I think, in Richard's good friend, I think it's a wrong answer. It is all right, it's absolutely right, there's nothing wrong in that answer, but actually... Richard, you're more than that. You are, you are beloved in Christ. You are loved by God. Your ultimate identity is that God loves you. And whatever else you've got in your life, whatever else goes on in your life, you are loved by God first and foremost. So your identity ultimately has to be rooted in who Christ is. Because everything else can be taken 
from you. Thank you, my friend. That's very kind of you to come out and help me. So who are you? Who are you? You're a beloved in Christ. Whatever you like to think, you're a child of Christ. Whatever you think you are in life, whatever else gives you your identity, actually, there's something richer and deeper that gives you your identity. You are beloved by God. And anything else that is taken from you can rob you and scar you, but actually there's one thing that will never go. And that is that God loves you. That is that God holds you in his hands. That is that God walks with you. You are beloved in Christ. I'll stop using two microphones. Thanks, Simon. And he's saying to the disciples at this moment, he's saying, as the thousands gather, he gets the disciples says, look, beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Beware, he says. They're just crowd pleasers. They just want people's praise. They find their identity in being popular. They find their identity in the personal praise of others. They find their identity in what people say about them. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, don't find your identity in in your status or in your education or in your, your background in, or in your skills or in your, your collectibles in life. Don't find your identity in that, your ultimate identity. Find it in your heavenly Father, in the Christ who loves you, in the Father who walks with you. The one who goes on for eternity. So don't worship what shouldn't be worshipped, he said. Find, find your identity in Christ. From that, he says that once you've found your identity in Christ, you must love the living God. Verse 8, he says this, and I assure you of this, if anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I, the Son of Man, will openly acknowledge that person in the presence of God's angels. Love the living God, he says. When you love someone, then your life is reshaped by that person. We become like them in so many ways. We begin to like the things that they like. Our lives begin to blend together. And to love the living God uh, means that we like the things that he likes. And our life begins to blend in with his. I, I, I think that is true in life. If anybody who's found a relationship where you love somebody and they love you back, you begin to become a little more like each other. It's always great, isn't it, watching a young couple when they first meet and they start their relationship out together. And, and all of a sudden they become interested in the same sort of things. They take these two separate lives and they blend across one another. Uh, Lindsay and I were having a drink last night with uh, um, Adrian and Sarah, who live with us, who just got married a few weeks ago, just chatting to them. And, and I was smiling from ear to ear because I was thinking, gosh, Adrian, how you've changed in the last six months. Beautifully so, actually. He's just blended his life in with Sarah's to make it work. And I didn't know Sarah as well before they got married, but I suspect hers has blended in with his. That's how it should be. 
And the same is true of God. We're, we're to blend our lives in to who God is. That's what he says. He says, if you acknowledge me, if you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. In other words, love who I am. Become like uh, me. Like what I like, hope for what I hope. He hopes that we'll be people who love justice, who love God, who love our neighbours. This is what we're to do. I don't think that Christianity is complicated. I think that God offers us something strong and secure in our lives. And from that strong and secure base, he offers us a life that is one enormous adventure. A life that where we can bring change and hope and light into the lives of others. A life that is lived for others. I don't think we ever go beyond the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. I think we've yet to plumb the depths of those greatest of the commandments. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength? What does it mean to have your life blended so in with God that we become more like God, not in the right way, not the wrong way, more like him in character, more like him in speech, more like him in uh, attitude, and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Uh, to love the things that God loves, that affects our prayer life. We'll only pray about the things that we know God wants to happen. It's not just about us, but it's about God. It means that we'll only do the things that we know will bless God in every possible way. So our life will be more shaped more into his image and likened to him, will fit in with him. Our whole lives will be shaped around what he calls us to do, what he calls us to be. To be a people who care for the hurting, to walk with the broken, to include the rejected. He calls us to be a people who don't seek to be pop, don't seek popularity for ourselves, but seek to lift others up and promote others in life. Who seek to help others. To love our neighbours as ourselves is to be a people who are concerned with justice and righteousness in other people's lives. So this passage is all about our fear of God. It's about Loving the living God. It's all about saying, let's find our sense of identity in who God is. It's about saying, I will make my life more like yours, God. John Mumford was speaking a number of years ago, and he, at New Wine, he heads up the Vineyard Church movement in this country. And uh, he started his talk by asking a question. And um, uh, as he started this talk, so I, you know, four four thousand of us listening, he said at the beginning of his talk, he said, "Are you a grapefruit or a milkshake?" And I was thinking, I prefer grapefruit. That's what I thought. I thought I prefer grapefruit to milkshake, you know. And then he went on to this, to go on about it. He said, "The thing is, he said, if you're a grapefruit person, the trouble is, he says, your life's all in segments." I was thinking, oh, I'm on a losing wicket here. He says you have a segment for your family and you have a segment for your, for your church and you have a segment for your faith and you have a segment for work and you have a segment for a hobby and you, he said, and, and we become segmented people and we have these little compartments in our lives. He says, but a grapefruit, per, a, a milkshake person, he says everything's in together and blended up. He says, and that's what we're called to be as Christians. To allow God's Love to find our sense of identity in who we are, in God, in everything. To be someone who's more like a milkshake, milkshake than a grapefruit.
And on reflection, of course, milkshakes aren't quite so sharp, are they, as grapefruits are. We're to take our faith and mix it up in everything else we have in life so that our identity in whatever we're doing and in whoever we are is found in God in every activity. There are lots of things. I, I think Jesus he warns here, basically this passage about finding our identity in God and rather than being hypocrites like the uh, Pharisees were. And I think it's a really helpful passage because I think it says to us, God wants you in every part of your life and God wants to be involved in every part of your life. So, if you are a car mechanic... Be a Christian car mechanic. Take God into the fixing of cars. If you're a dentist, drill teeth with the joy of the Lord. You know, if you, if, if you are an accountant, add up figures giving thanks to God. The thing is that God's in all of it. And he wants to be in all of it. And it's not just who you are in the job you do, but it's who you are in Christ in the job you do. It's who you are in Christ in the life you live. It's who you are in Christ in the hobby you have. It's who you are in Christ in the family you're part of. It's who you are in Christ in the friends that you relate to. Have your sense of identity in Christ, he says, not in anything else. And then, if something stumbles in life, then you find that actually in God's hands we have someone who will help us. We rushed back from Cornwall on Friday because um, uh, of the tragedy that happened to um, Dylan uh, uh, and Bronwyn, Dylan and Melissa Sykes, Dylan Sykes and, and Melissa um, and their parents dying in South Africa and belted back and, and of course every time you want to get back quickly there's traffic isn't there took hours to get back and in the end I just got back and jumped in another car and whizzed to the airport and I met with them, Dylan and his sister at the airport and together, just before they went into departures, we were to pray together, having just lost their parents and in that place of tragedy, bring Christ in, bring God into the thing because otherwise there's hopelessness. But with Christ there's hope. With Christ there's something strong. With Christ there's a sure foundation and an ultimate hope that we can go to. And um, that's what it's about in everything in life. And parents can be taken from us, but Christ never can. Jobs can be taken from us, but Christ never can. Let's find our identity in the one who is forever and who loves us with a passion.